talk or some discourse or some authentic daily literature or in any way which is authentic, which is something that is correct obviously then this water stops, this rain stops and then this land of the heart will start drying up and when the land of the heart starts drying up then the fruit of the amal of deen salah, person's other obligations of deen then his tilawat and recitation of the Qur'an Sharif his remembrance of Allah Ta'ala when the land dries up then all the vegetation, the trees dry up, the fruit then is no more to be seen and the same thing happens when this deeny advice dries up when a person day in and day out he's been only involved in the aspects of dunya and the world and how everything is going around in the world and what's going on and how to turn the figures from 10 to 100 and 100 to 1000 and 1000 to million and his whole day and night carries on the same only in that same occupation and slowly this land of the heart starts drying up on the one hand these amal of deen will start diminishing like the fruit of the tree stalk then the vegetation dries up then the tree starts drying up and then very soon in place of that lush tree then thorny weeds start growing out of it that land now only starts producing thorny trees, thorny trees and weeds and that is the same situation that happens spiritually that when the deeny advice dries up completely on the one hand the good action stops then all kinds of evil start creeping in then a person doesn't seem to have any control over his eyes he's looking at all kinds of haram on his phone, on the internet or wherever he might be then he's listening to all kinds of haram and then he's involved in haram relationships and one haram after the other because this heart has dried up in terms of the spiritual rain that it requires this is the one very important lesson that this is something we need all the time the spiritual nourishment by means of the rain of dini advice that requires on the one hand that we read authentic literature not just anything we pick up from anywhere because there's a flood of things in the market so authentic literature which has been correctly prepared and discussed from those who have that correct background and inshallah this will give us that spiritual nourishment that we need all the time in any case there was one very important lesson that we learned from this word Thereafter, Luqman Salatu Salam Allah Ta'ala says that he said to his son, Ya Bumayya la tushrik billah. That, oh my beloved son, the compassion, the love with which he is giving this advice, this too is a lesson that sometimes we are saying the right thing, but if we say the right thing in the wrong way, it's going to lose its effect. If we are saying the right thing, we are advising somebody, we are giving him some good advice, but the good advice in a hurtful way, the good advice in a way that humiliates somebody, that degrades somebody, is going to lose its effect. In fact, it's going to take a person even further away. So the right thing must be said in the right way also. And with the right motivation, solely for the pleasure of Allah. So, Ya Bunayya la tashrik billah. And he says to him, Oh my beloved son, don't ever ascribe hardness to Allah. Don't ever commit shirk. In the shirk because the shirk is the word oppression. On the one hand, this is a lesson of a 
aqidah in terms of always being with the aqidah of tawheed and the oneness of Allah Ta'ala, never ascribing partners to Allah Ta'ala in his being, neither in his exclusive attributes, but Allah Ta'ala alone is the one who gives life and death. Allah Ta'ala alone is the one who gives us our sustenance. الَّذِي هُوَ يُطْقِمُنِي وَيَسْقِينَ وَإِذَا بَرِدْتُ فَهُوَ يَشْفِينَ وَالَّذِي يُمِيتُنِي ثُمَّ يُحْيِينَ The Qur'an Sharif Allah Ta'ala relates the words of Ibrahim that Allah Ta'ala is the one who feeds me He is the being that gives me to drink and when I am sick He is the one who gives me cure He is the one who has given me life and He is the one who will bring death Nobody has the ability of any of these things at all is exclusive to Allah. So all the attributes of Allah are also never to ascribe any partners. But now this is one aspect of Aqidah. What is actually the lesson in here is that Aqidah and belief is the foundation. And without our belief being correct, everything else that we try to burn on it will be of no use. Like a person trying to put up a structure, put a building up without a foundation. No matter what he might do and what kind of engineering he might try to put into the building, but if there's no foundation, it's going to collapse. So the aqidah and belief is the foundation. Now this is the very crucial aspect and the very, very fundamental aspect that the aqidah has to be correct in every aspect, not only in certain things, selective things, and at the same time, while a person believes in certain aspects of deen, but it's also entertaining certain things which are totally against the Qur'an and Sunnah. One of the things that unfortunately is, keeps coming up from time to time is the confusion that many entertain in their hearts and minds, whereas there's no confusion in reality, but because of what they expose themselves to, because of the environment perhaps, because of the media that they are reading, many a person keeps writing or asking, that he is very, very thoroughly confused about the aspect of evolution and the so-called Big Bang Theory and all these various things. And a person, one person here wrote to say that I don't, I still perform my salah and I am still regarding myself as a Muslim, but I don't know whether I really believe in what I've been told in terms of the creation of man. I don't think that I really believe that man was created from dust. This theory of evolution is something that has really taken my mind. And now actually I'm thinking that this is it. The one good thing was that he's still asking. Many a person takes it hook, line and sinker and is gone. Now this contradicts the fundamental belief that is mentioned in the Quran Sharif about the creation of Adam Al-Salaam. <laughs> ثُمَّ جَعَلْنَاهُ نُطْفَةً فِي قَرَارٍ مَكِينٍ ثُمَّ خَلَقْنَا النُطْفَةَ عَلَقًا فَخَلَقْنَا الْعَلَقَةَ مُضْغَةً فَخَلَقْنَا الْمُضْغَةَ عِظَامًا فَكَسَوْنَا الْعِظَامَ لَحْمًا ثُمَّ أَنْشَأْنَاهُ خَلْقًا آخَرَ فَتَبَارَكَ اللَّهُ أَحْسَنُ الْخَالِقِينَ There's no time to go into the discussion of these ayat of the Quran Sharif. Allah Ta'ala gives the entire detail of the creation of man long before embryology and biology was even heard of. The detailed phases which embryology and biology only discovered many, many centuries later, Allah had already mentioned in the Qur'an Sharif. When there was no scans 
and there was no modern equipment to see what goes on in the womb of that mother, Allah had already described it in the Quran And from the inception, when Adam Islam was created, from sand and from dust, from that point Allah starts a discussion, But now a person is harboring this aspect of this fallacy of evolution as a fact. This completely negates these ayat of the Quran Sharif. As a result of which, if he is taking this as belief, and what kind of belief is this? How absurd is this belief? It's like two people walked into a home, into a very nice, well-built house. Everything is exquisite in there. All the various things are built to, very, very well-engineered and very nicely built. The furniture is all set up in a beautiful way. There are some fountains and waters that are flowing. There's beautiful lush gardens around it. And all the amenities and facilities that are dreamt of in a home. Let alone what is normally there. What is normally dreamt of. Everything is present. Now two people walked in. One person is looking at all those things that are around. He's looking at how everything has been built. And the chandeliers that are there. The paintwork and whatever else. And he's admiring everything. And then he says, Subhanallah, the person whoever built this was really very intelligent. And he really took real pains about how he designed everything. And then how he built it. And then he really selected all these things very well. And he put everything in place in a very, very intelligent manner. So now he is marveling at the intelligence of the person that did all this. But the other person says, something wrong with you. What do you mean somebody built this? What do you mean that he designed it? What do you mean that he went and selected all the furniture and brought it here? He says, how it happened? So he looks around and then in the distance he can see a mountain. He says, what actually happened is, you see that mountain there. So for millions of years, the wind was blowing from the mountain. And the dust carried on gathering on the spot. So over time, there was a heap of dust here, over millions of years. And then over millions of years, the heap of dust that was here evolved into this house. And then what about all this furniture and all these amenities and so on? You see, well, that what actually happened is, many millions of years ago, years prior to this, perhaps there were some people traveling. And they stopped on that mountain and they forgot all their things there. So over time, millions of years passed and the wind was blowing bits and pieces of it. All that finally came and fitted itself into this place. So subhanAllah, that person is so intelligent that if that entire house came on its own, over millions of years it just evolved out of dust. And over millions of years all the furniture and fittings and everything just came in place. So if that is intelligent, then it can be said that somebody who is thinking that the world came out of evolution and insan and human beings came out of evolution, then that person is intelligent also. But if this is absurd, then that person is insane. And this is exactly the reality of this theory, the fallacy of evolution. That this is how insane it is. But the inferences that are made, there is no science claims to only believe in that which can be seen. But whereas science is also believing in the unseen. Nobody has seen an atom. No scientist also has seen an atom. And the atom, the uh, electron that runs in that electric wire carrying, carrying the charge, nobody has seen it. This is an inference that because that switch was switched on there, 
and the light came out on the other end and both are connected by this wire. So there is some charge running. These electrons are carrying some charge. But where is an electron? Has anybody seen it with the naked eye? Somebody claimed that this is how it works and this is what he has discovered and science accepted it because there has to be a link between the switch and that bulb. Otherwise how did the switch get switched on on one end and the light come on in that bulb? There has to be some connection here. And this wire is lightless. So there has to be something. So he said, well actually that electron is running in it. And it's running at such a pace and moving at such a speed that you can't see it with the naked eye. So you can't see it with the naked eye, but we believed in it. That yes, it's there, science believes in it. That atom is one of the most fundamental aspects of science. Everything else then moves from there. So we believed in so much of the unseen, but why did that electron run? Why did that electron carry that negative charge? Science can't tell you that. Science will say that blood is red. Why is it red? Well, because there are these corpuscles in there. But why is it red? Well, because it absorbs the oxygen and the hemoglobin in the corpuscles now. It becomes bright red. So, but then, where is this formed? Why? Well, it comes in the marrow of the bones and wherever else it's formed in the body. But then, why all this works in this organized manner? And everything is so organized and coherent and everything is working towards a designed end to fulfill a certain function. Science comes and says, look, we can't tell you all that. We'll tell you how it happens. We'll tell you how it happens and yes, the blood, the corpuscles in there, they absorb the oxygen and the hemoglobin then turns red and then it transfers, transports this oxygen and it nourishes the body and in this one square, one cubic millimeter of this blood, in this one cubic millimeter of this blood, there's approximately three to five million of these little discs. And in an adult, healthy adult, there's twenty to thirty trillion corpuscles, red corpuscles, that that comes to tell us that in this one adult human, and in this one, there's twenty to thirty trillion, and in one square cubic millimeter of this blood, there's three to five million blood corpuscles. But, where did that come from? Who is the being that is creating it? That science can't tell us. Science will come to a point and stop. Now, this is the aspect where Iman comes into play. That the movement will say, that, yes, all this is how science has explained how it happens, yes, it happens like that. But the primary cause is Allah Tabarakallah. Allah has created this insan. Allah has created this entire system of this insan and created all these faculties in him, that his mind can think, that his eyes can see, that there is no camera in the world that can come anywhere close to the image that the eye captures and how it works and the functions behind it, there is no time to go into those details, and the entire system of the ear and the tongue that can just keep going on talking and all the things that go along. Science can't tell us why it's happening. It tells us, okay, this is how it functions. It starts off from here and finishes off from there. But where is the start before the start? The primary cause it can't tell us. What it tells us is actually the intermediary cause. The primary creator is Allah Ta'ala. Allah Ta'ala has created insan. Allah Ta'ala is now put insan in dunya. But this is not his permanent abode. He is headed towards Akhirah. And therefore, Luqman is giving his son this advice. 
But remember, the first thing is your belief in Allah. Your first requirement is that you recognize your Creator. You recognize your sustainer. And you recognize who you are going to get back to. Who you are going to return to on the day of Qiyamah. So now that you have recognized who your Creator is, so now your allegiance and obedience should be to none but Him. Allah Taala gives us this lesson by relating these advice of Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Don't ever commit shirk and keep your time in place. Inna shirk And then in the next ayat, this is actually apparently a digression because the advice of Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi is in the first ayat, and then two ayat later, then another three ayat of his advice. But in between, Allah Ta'ala then mentions the rights of parents. وَسَيْنَ الْإِنسَانَ بِوَالِدَيْنِ That we have emphasized upon this human being to be conscious about the rights of his parents and fulfill them. And especially his mother. حَمَلَتْهُ أُمُّهُ وَهْنًا عَلَى وَهْنًا وَفِصَالُهُ فِي عَامِينَ أَنِشْكُرْ لِي وَلِوَالِدَيْكِ إِلَيَّ الْمَصِيرِ Again, there's no time to go into the details of this, but the crux of it, that be forever obedient to your parents, provided that it is within the limits of the commands of Allah The primary allegiance is to Allah alone. And then within the framework of deen, provided that they are not demanding something against Sharia, then, Don't even utter uff to them. Don't even express any irritation to them. Unfortunately, as time goes, the more materialistic we become and the more values of material come in our heart, the more we lose real values. And one of the very, very fundamental real values is respect. And among the res- respect for everybody else, the peak of respect is for parents. After Allah Ta'ala and aspects of being, the peak of respect for any human being is of parents. And unfortunately, that is something that is being just trampled without any care and concern how parents are treated, how they are spoken to, every now and again there's a parent crying on the phone, or somebody is giving his sad story about how his own children treat him. So in any case, this is the aspect that is mentioned in the next two ayahs about the rights of parents, and in one hadith, just to mention this in passing, the least part he says, that among the things where the punishment of Allah Ta'ala afflicts a person in this world before the hereafter, many a thing it's only that for the hereafter, if a person didn't repent in dunya, he'll have to meet his fate on the day of Qiyamah. But among the things that bring down the wrath of Allah Ta'ala in dunya, before the akhirat, is the disrespect and the ill-treatment of parents. Allah Ta'ala protect us and save us. Thereafter, Luqman Salaam says to his son, Ya bunayya innaha intakum ittala habbatim min khardal, fatakum fi sakhratin, aw fi samawat, aw fi al-ard, Oh my son, if there is a particle, a very small particle, atom-sized, and where is that particle? If that particle is in the depths of a rock, deep in the depths of a rock, or in the heights of the sky, in the heavens, or in the right in the bowels of the earth, then remember, Allah Ta'ala will bring that forth as well. Allah Ta'ala will bring that forth as well. Allah is aware of it. Allah Ta'ala can see it. He's fully aware of where the particle is. 
Allah Ta'ala can bring it forth, meaning if this was somebody's action, Allah will bring it as well. Allah Ta'ala knows where that little particle in the depths of that rock, in the heights of the skies, in the depths of the earth. So, Ma'ala is giving his son this advice. What is the advice all about? Is it a lesson on science? No, it's a lesson on the consciousness of Allah. That remember, Allah Ta'ala knows everything. Allah Ta'ala is all hearing, He's all seeing. He knows, He knows the deception of the eye, what the eye is looking at. What the heart conceals, Allah is aware. So don't think that you can hide anything from Him, this is the lesson we give it to us. That don't bother about looking behind your shoulder to see if anybody is watching. Remember Allah is watching. Don't worry about making sure that windows and doors are closed, the curtains are drawn. Remember Allah Ta'ala is watching beneath, behind those doors. Allah is all aware. And Allah Ta'ala knows what the heart conceals, what is crossing a person's heart and mind. So when a person has the consciousness of Allah Ta'ala, Allah Ta'ala knows, Allah is aware. Does he not know that Allah is watching? The question Allah Ta'ala is asking the progeny. When this consciousness of Allah Ta'ala comes, then a person will refrain from the haram and the disobedience of Allah Ta'ala. But when the consciousness of Allah Ta'ala starts diminishing, and as we started right at the beginning, this dini advice, which is so crucial on an ongoing basis, when that starts diminishing, when we don't get this dini advice, the nourishment of this dini advice, then this consciousness of Allah Ta'ala starts dropping. And when this drops, then all the evils start finding a way in. So this consciousness of Allah Ta'ala is a crucial thing that we need to bring in our lives and hearts. And then further on he says to him, Ya Bunaya, thereafter the next two ayat deal with the aspects of akhlaq. Waqsid fi mashika waqdud waqdud min sawdik. Wala tu saqir khattaka lil nas, wala tamshik al ardi maraha, inna allaha la yuhibbu kulla muhtalim fakhoon. There's no time again for these details, but the gist of all this is that adopt good akhlaq. Adopt good character. This is what really makes a person, what is within him. External things are all just external, it's all going to perish, it's perishable. What is inside is of real value. And what is inside is good character. What a person wears doesn't make him. What he drives doesn't give him any worth. What kind of phone he has doesn't add any value to him in reality. This is only material. The real value is what is inside. That is something that makes a person worthwhile something. And that is what is to be acquired, that is good akhlaq. This is what the lesson of Muhammad gave to his son, and these are the lessons that we need to imbibe. Allah Ta'ala give us the tawfiq.